0: Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you.
2: Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of
1: seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby denies all of the charges over the
2: incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse.
1: This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of crimes, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them.
3: Lucy Letby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven children and injuring 10 more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22 charges, all of which she denies. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for The Mail. I'll be in court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist.
1: Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is
3: The Trial of Lucy Letby.
1: Welcome to episode four of The Trial of Lucy Letby, where we get behind the headlines of this case and bring you the details the jury are
3: hearing in this Manchester court. The babies in this case are not being named for legal reasons and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're known only as Babies A to Q.
1: Seven of the babies died, ten survived. The jury are now hearing about each baby in turn. So we're going to focus each episode of this podcast on each baby. What the prosecution say happened to them, when and how. And in each case, we'll explain why the defence, say Lucy Letby, did not harm or kill
3: any of the babies in her care. Welcome to Episode 4, Baby B.
1: Baby B was a girl. She was the twin sister of Baby A. Like him, she was born nine weeks early at the Countess of Chester Hospital, weighing 3 pounds and 11 ounces in June 2015.
3: Baby B was born blue and floppy, and unlike her brother, she had a low heart rate and needed resuscitating at birth, so she was quite poorly. She was placed on a ventilator, but at times she was able to breathe independently. She was cared for in an incubator, next to her brother in nursery one which was the intensive care nursery.
1: We heard in the previous episode that on June the 8th, baby A died. And the prosecution say this was because air was injected into his bloodstream by Lucy Letby, who was his designated nurse. And after the death of their son, his parents became, the court heard, frantic, anxious and extremely upset for their
3: daughter. And Liz, they really didn't want to leave her side Yeah, that's right, Caroline. The following day, the twins' parents spent all day with their daughter, having lots of cuddles, and a nurse told the jury that she'd had a good day.
1: But later that night, the parents were persuaded to go for some rest. And then the unthinkable happened. Baby B collapsed just 27 hours after her brother. What do the prosecution say happened?
3: The jury heard Baby B was in Nursery One. Lucy Letby was not her designated nurse. But she did help Baby B's designated nurse start a bag of feed at five past midnight and took her blood gases. Twenty-five minutes later, at around half past twelve, Baby B's monitor alarm went off and Lucy Letby went over to her because the designated nurse was preparing medication. Lucy Letby then called for help saying she's apneic. in other words, she'd stopped breathing.
1: And Liz, that nurse, who we can't name because her identity is protected, told the court what happened in her own words. She was speaking from behind a screen and an actor has voiced up her words for us.
4: Lucy Letby said she's not breathing and asked me to go and help. She suddenly looked very ill. She looked like her brother had done the night before. Pale, white, with this purple blotch discoloration. It was all over. That's how her brother appeared too. I just remember thinking, no, not again. I'd not seen anything like that before, to see his sister with the same appearance. Child A's deterioration was very sudden and to an unusual degree. Babies can become poorly very quickly, but there is usually some indication that is happening. We had no undue concerns. To go from that and not responding to resuscitation and looking how we did was very unusual. Baby B was also good throughout the evening, but again, she became ill very quickly, deteriorated very quickly. That's why I said, no, not again. You never want any baby to die. You want to help them all go home with their families. That's always been my goal. And Liz, we also
1: heard the reaction of the parents to the news that their daughter had collapsed so soon after the loss of their son.
3: Yes, they were understandably anxious for their daughter after their son died and didn't want to leave her side. Eventually they were persuaded to get some rest though. The mother said, the next thing I knew, we were getting woken up by a nurse. And in a statement read to the jury, she said, my heart sank, not my baby, not again. So Liz, baby B stopped breathing and the doctors
1: and nurses in the hospital rushed in to help.
3: Yes, we heard that a breathing tube was inserted and baby B started to stabilise quite quickly, within 10 to 15 minutes.
1: Now, the court also heard from one of the doctors who was called in to help that night. This is Dr Rachel Lammy, who was a registrar with six years training at that point. She gave her evidence to the court and an actor has voiced up her words for us.
4: The
3: most memorable thing was Baby B's colour. She was a very dusky, pale grey colour. As we were helping her, she was developing widespread blotches, patches of purpley-red colour. They would flush up, last about ten seconds, then disappear and reappear. They were flitting around her body. You could see them coming and going on her body. Each one lasted about ten seconds. As she got better, they subsided and went away. She recovered quickly. After ten minutes, she started wriggling and breathing for herself. But it took about half an hour for the greyness to disappear and pinkness to return. And Liz, baby B survived. Yes, she pulled through, but the court heard the mother was frantic. She stayed with her baby all night, describing her as restless, as if she was trying to tell me something was wrong. In the following days, baby B's parents spent every day at their daughter's bedside, and even when they went home to rest, they set alarms through the night so that they could take it in turns to call the hospital every two hours to check on her. Her mother told the court, I was, and I still am, extremely protective of her.
1: So, just a few hours after the death of her brother, Baby B also stopped breathing, and the prosecution say this was the moment Lucy Letby deliberately injected her with air.
3: Yes, Caroline, the court heard that the collapse of Baby B in the early hours of June 10th was caused by Lucy Letby. The prosecution say she used the same technique she had used with Baby A.
1: Lucy Letby denies the attempted murder of Baby B and, in fact, she denies all the charges in this case. And I think we did hear some cross-examination from her defence team in relation to Baby B in the last few days.
3: Yeah, the defence say Lucy Letby was not responsible and that, in fact, Baby B had received suboptimal or poor care, just like her brother, on the unit. Lucy Letby's defence barrister, Ben Myers Casey, said Baby B's case was a good example of the assumption of guilt – and experts had been influenced by the theory of harm because of what had happened to her brother a day earlier. And the court has also
1: heard from a specialist radiologist who analysed X-rays taken of both baby A and baby B.
3: Yes, the jury were told that Dr Owen Arthurs, who is an expert from Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital in London, looked at an X-ray taken after baby A died and saw air in his blood vessels. But no air was seen in baby B's circulation in an X-ray taken about 40 minutes after her collapse. And of course we have already heard from Mr Myers that Lucy Letby is adamant she didn't cause any harm to any babies in her care. They say the case against her is built on assumption and coincidence.
1: Okay, so Liz, we also got an insight into how one of the other nurses on the ward viewed Lucy Letby, the nurse who we can't name. She told the jury she mentored Lucy Letby when she was a student at Chester Uni and came to the hospital on work placement back in 2010 and 2011.
3: Yes, this nurse said she became good friends with Lucy Letby and they often messaged each other about work and their social lives. She agreed with Mr Myers that her experience of Lucy Letby was that she was highly professional and dedicated to her work. And I think she also agreed in court that at times the unit was short-staffed and didn't meet the
1: recommended guidelines for the number of nurses
3: to babies. So neonatal units try to work to guidelines set out by the British Association of Perinatal Medicine. Now, these stipulate, and I think we mentioned this in the last episode, that babies that need intensive care ideally should have one-to-one nursing. Those in high dependency should have two nurses for every infant. And nurses looking after special care babies can be responsible for up to four children each. At times, the nurse told Lucy Letby's defence lawyer that the Countess was simply unable to meet these requirements and sometimes the unit was short-staffed. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: So, Liz, it's been a really busy and quite a tense week in Court 7 at Manchester Crown Court. Now, Kim Pilling is one of the few journalists in the courtroom itself, as most of the reporters, including you, Liz, are viewing proceedings from an annex in another building
3: Yeah, that's right, Caroline. That's me. I'm in the other building. But Kim is in the actual courtroom. He's been covering court cases for the best part of 30 years in the northwest. If anyone's ever read any newspaper reporting of trials in the last three decades, the chances are that you will have read some of his stuff before.
1: Now, Kim supplies, obviously, the Daily Mail and Mail Online and other newspapers and digital websites across the country with information and copy from court cases he also supplies all the broadcast media as well radio stations bbc sky everyone with the key updates from court cases and it's kim who'll be in court every day for the next 6 months so liz and i met up at court and we chatted with kim in the daily mail offices just off deans gate in manchester about 5 minutes walk to get a sense of what it's like watching this trial up close
2: yeah, hello, my name is Kim Pilling. I'm a reporter with the Press Association, and I'm one of the few reporters who are allowed in the courtroom for the trial of Lucy Letby.
1: Just give us a flavour, first of all, of, you know, what's the atmosphere like in there?
2: It's, it's, it's a busy courtroom. The banks of seats where the lawyers sit is full. That's not always the case. We have teams of three barristers for the prosecution, and another team of three for the defence, and then... Sat behind those barristers are a couple more solicitors uh, with the Crown Prosecution Service and then a couple more solicitors for the firm that's acting for Lucy Letby. In front of Lucy Letby, who's in the dock, is uh, an IT guy. This case is it's quite unique in that a lot of the evidence is being relayed digitally. So each of the jurors, eight women and four men, they have iPads and they're following all the evidence, and it's all on their iPads. For instance, in this case, there's a lot of uh, clinical notes that doctors have made. You know, that's quite unique. Obviously, a complex case, and I think the amount of files that you would need in this case, it'd be a lot.
1: What do we know? What are we allowed to say about the jury?
2: Well, there's eight women and four men. They're picked in a ballot. The idea is that they're, you know, a random selection of a normal representation of the general public. I don't think there's anything remarkable about this jury.
3: Just tell us about the defendant and has she got any family members with her? How far away are you from her in the courtroom, Kim?
2: Yeah, she has a mother and father sat in the courtroom in the public gallery to the right of me since day one. And they've been here every day since. And behind me have been family members of the alleged victims. I have a good view of the defendant from the front row. She's just slightly to the left in my vision. She's got a screen in front of her. And as we're going through the evidence, she's getting to see it as well. She's brought to court every day and occasionally has passed notes to one of the solicitors in front of her, very rarely.
3: Okay, so we know that the key barristers in the case are Nick Johnson, KC for the prosecution and uh, Ben Myers, KC for the defence. They've both got a team with them. Just tell us who they are, Kim.
2: Yeah, so yeah, Ben Myers, KC has two junior barristers assisting him and they are Michael Mayer and Fiona Clancy and the lead prosecutor is Nick Johnson, KC and he is being assisted by his junior barristers. Simon Driver and Philip Asbury. In a case like as complex as this, the aim for the jury at the end of the trial, when they go out to deliberate, the aim is is that they are that they are experts in the case. So when we get to the very end of this trial and we get and the verdicts come in, a reader who has been following the case or maybe loosely following the case, they're not scratching their heads as to why the jury has come to that verdict.
3: Yeah, so, Kim, this undoubtedly will be one of the biggest cases that we both cover for our careers, won't it? Whether Lucy Letby is convicted or if she's acquitted, either way, following this for the next six months will be one of the biggest things we've probably
2: ever done. Yeah, I think the allegations and the extent of the investigation, that speaks for itself, doesn't it? I think the the allegation, the number of allegations first, of course, yeah. It's it's an high-profile case for a reason, it definitely will be one of the most important court cases that I've covered so far in in my career.
3: Thank you, Kim. Thanks very much, Kim. No problem at all. So that's it for episode three. Next time we'll be focusing the podcast on Baby C.
1: Baby C was a tiny baby boy, born early, weighing less than two pounds. He was allegedly murdered a week after Baby A and a few days after the alleged attack on baby B. I'll
3: be in court all week. You can follow my daily reports in the mail and on MailPlus, and we'll both be back next week with another update. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.